Good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here this morning. Special uh, thanks for those that are here uh, uh, visiting today, and uh, we trust that the Lord will uh, use this service to speak to you. Um, and uh, thank you for those that are watching and listening online. Um, I want you to um, open up your Bibles, if you would, uh, to Psalms chapter 83. I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, uh, our pastor has been focused on prophecy on Sunday evenings, and uh, that's been a very wonderful study. Um, and uh, in light of things that have been going on uh, in our world, uh, the Lord kind of put today's message on my heart. Uh, I, uh, if you've heard me preach before, I usually try to stay with the signs of the time. If a uh, holiday time, I like to stick with the holiday message and and uh, being uh, what we're uh, facing in the world today, uh, the Lord put this scripture on uh, my heart. I uh, was actually reading through and studying uh, uh, the book of Ezekiel when the pastor uh, uh, texted me and, and uh, desired for me to preach today. But um, uh, I've seen a lot of prophecy in the book of Ezekiel, a lot of it already fulfilled, some of it not quite yet. Uh, but besides, um, as you know, besides Ezekiel, there are many of the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Amos, uh, uh, all very uh, uh, informative uh, prophets, and, uh, and uh, a lot of it uh, is very difficult for us to understand unless we know uh, our ancient uh, Middle Eastern history and unless we uh, uh, know what's uh, happening back in the days when, uh, and, and the days after when these prophets spoke, um, it might be very difficult for us to understand a lot of uh, the old time prophecies. But um, uh, a lot of those prophets spoke of things that have already been fulfilled, and yet there's a lot of prophecy that still has yet to be uh, fulfilled. And actually, there are dual uh, prophecies, there are dual fulfillments, which means that. Uh, not only w when they were spoken were they to be uh, fulfilled back then, but also uh, to be fulfilled into the future. And uh, I, I believe that um, uh, as we read uh, the book of uh, Psalms, as we read from Psalms 83, I believe uh, a lot of this has yet to been fulfilled, believe it or not. Um, and uh, as I was reading in the book of Ezekiel, I, I noticed that in chapter 28 of Ezekiel, and, and you probably are uh, aware of this, uh, the prophet was speaking against the king of Tyre. Uh, but at the same time, he was speaking about Satan. Uh, and it's very clear. Uh, I'll just read a few verses in Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 12 uh, through 17. It says, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, uh, thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the psalm full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the pearl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. 
thou wast perfect uh, in, the, in, in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. And you keep on reading, but as you read this, you know that it's not just talking about the king of Tyre. You know this is specifically talking about Satan and, and uh, who he was and how he was perfect uh, when God created Satan and how he fell. Uh, and, uh, and so that's um, a, a double prophecy and uh, uh, one of the king and one of, of Satan. And in, in, uh, as the peace preacher has uh, preached before on prophecy uh, on Sunday nights, uh, he has um, uh, um, emphasized the fact that we are today now living in uh, the end times. And, uh, and so as I was reading the book of Ezekiel, I, I was um, uh, I, uh, uh, a week before this past Saturday, uh, uh, a 9-11 happened again, but this time on the state of Israel. And uh, uh, on 10-7, it'll be re- remembered probably as our uh, uh, 9-11. But on 10-7, there was uh, an event that happened that uh, uh, those of us that have been following it uh, dare not to repeat all the things that happened. Uh, but uh, I remember... Uh, specifically where I was on 9-11, as most of you do. Um, it was 10.30 at night, actually, uh, in, in Japan. 10.30 at night, and was just about uh, watching the, the, the news, not uh, far from going to bed, when uh, all of a sudden we saw on TV what you saw. Uh, it was a plane flying into the, uh, uh, the, one of the towers of the Trade Center, and it was like, what just happened? You know, is this real time? Uh, this can't be real time, right? And 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 we're watching. It's like no, they're reporting something happening in America there, and uh, we're still watching. It, and it's like, wow, uh, did that pilot make a mistake? And then before long, as you know, the, the other one, uh, another pilot, uh, slammed into the other tower, and, and immediately we all knew this was not uh, an accident. This was uh, this was terrorism uh, uh, that we're seeing live on TV and. And, and it was like we just couldn't believe what, was, uh, what we were watching uh, before our eyes. And, and, uh, and then, uh, um, and, uh, and then uh, that last Saturday, we woke up and, and uh, saw what we did on the news. And we were, once again, horrified by, uh, by uh, what terrorism can bring to our country. Uh, uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict... Um, that has occurred, is occurring, is actually uh, has brought the attention of the entire world and has involved uh, uh, all nations, and it will continue uh, to do so. Uh, terrorism, as we know it, is a cowardly weapon developed in the Arab Muslim world and has affected most of the world in one way or in another. Our own military uh, engaged in war against terrorism as you know, halfway around the globe uh, because of our country's support uh, for Israel uh, and which in turn brought uh, supporting Israel will in turn bring uh, terrorism to our own borders, borders like it did at 9-11. But trying to bring the Middle East conflict to an end, there has been what they called a roadmap to peace, which has been a, a, diplom- a diplomatic effort uh, 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 to form two separate nations within the present borders uh, of Israel. 
One would be Israel as a state, and the other would be a Palestinian state. Uh, but no matter how much a peace that we desire in the Middle East by either Israel or us or the rest of the world, this roadmap or any other diplomatic solution that we might think of, it will never succeed. And, uh, and, and the question is, why? Well, it is because no matter what concessions Israel may be willing to make to uh, the Palestinians and to their Muslim neighbors, they will never accept Israel's presence among them in what they consider Muslim territory. And so Israel's ne- never, Israel's neighbors will never uh, be satisfied until the Jewish ne- nation and the people are wiped off the face of the map. That is their roadmap to peace. Um, they do not want to share the land and live peaceably next to Israel as neighbors. They want them gone completely. Uh, this is where we are presently in the world. And it makes you wonder if there is anything in the Bible prophecy referring to these modern events. I believe we're living, as the pastor has preached, in what the Bible refers to as the latter days. And God's time clock for the end of the age, I believe, began when Israel was restored as a nation in 1948. It's an event foretold thousands of years ago. Uh, in a lot of the prophets that we read, this, this event in 1948 was already prophesied. And so, yeah, we do have old prophecy that is still being fulfilled in our present day. But that means that right now we are at the beginning of the end. We are at the beginning of the end of time. And God has, and God has revealed so much about the events uh, of the end times in such a minute detail that um, it seems odd that maybe he wouldn't touch on this uh, uh, current fight between the Palestinians, Israel and the Palestinians. Or perhaps maybe he does have something to say. Um, um, uh, could they be uh, the missing piece to unveiling God's blueprints for Israel in the last days? In truth, I believe that it, it could be. Uh, I'm not saying this is, but I'm saying it very well could be. And I believe God has told us in his word, not only that the Palestinian and Israeli conflict we're witnessing would occur, but I think he's also given us the outcome. And I think he's also given us that as long as Israel exists, there probably will not be peace in the Middle East. Uh, Psalms 83, if you have your Bibles open to it, this is a cry to the Lord for help and for his protection for his people, the Jews. I'm, a, I'm not going to read the whole, chap, the whole chapter. I would like to, but I'm not for time's sake. I'm just going to read the first eight verses. Uh, Psalms 83, it says, Keep not thou silence, O God, hold not thy peace. And be not still, O God, for lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up thy head. The head, they have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, Come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. The tabernacles of Edom and the Ishmaelites of Moab and of the Hagarines, Gebal and Ammon and Amalek, the Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre. Asher also is joined with them. They have hoped the children of Lot, Selah. 
Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you and we thank you for your word. We pray that it will be uh, a light to our path. And uh, we pray also, Lord, that it will uh, strengthen us in, in our uh, own faith in you and uh, in faith in our prayers. And, and I pray that, Lord, today that your word will go forth. May the Holy Spirit uh, teach us something today. Uh, use me, I pray, for that end. And I uh, just pray that uh, you'll meet with us together. Each one of us have needs. Maybe they uh, may be in, entirely separate from what uh, we're dealing with today. But whatever needs that are here today, uh, I pray that those needs will also be met through um, the preaching of your word today. Just be with us, Lord. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for your son, Jesus. And I pray that he might be exalted today uh, through this message and, and uh, through our worship of you today. And uh, once again, we give you thanks for all that you do for us and for your laying down of your life for our sins. We give you thanks for that. And uh, we ask for direction out today in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> this is an interesting psalm. It was written by a prophet and uh, a musician. His name was Asaph during the reign of King David. And what is interesting uh, to note about this psalm that it was written, uh, uh, it was written for Israel uh, when they were experiencing a time of great um, prosperity and peace in their country. Uh, they were living in their promised land under a great king, which God had chosen for them specifically, and their hearts were turned toward God. And as a nation, they were under His blessing and protection. Yet this psalm was written about the enemies of God coming against Israel as a coalition, determined to totally destroy them. This is how we know that this psalm is prophetic in nature. It's written at a time of peace about a terrible event that will occur sometime in the foreseen future. It is a warning about a threat to the then blessed and prosperous people about a time when their very survival would be in question. In fact, could this psalm be speaking of Israel's situation today? You probably thought that as we read these uh, verses this morning. Uh, some may argue that uh, and say, well, uh, Israel has been surrounded uh, by neighbors that wanted to get rid of her for, for years and years. Uh, how do we know that this prophecy wasn't fulfilled thousands of years ago when Israel was a nation uh, for the first time? The answer to that is because there's never been a coalition of these specific nations and peoples coming together at one time with this specific purpose in mind. This study is not my own, uh, uh, but it did catch my attention uh, recently again uh, because it originally took place around the time of the uh, Israeli-Palestine conflict in 2006 uh, uh, during the um, second uh, war uh, of, Palestine, uh, of um, Lebanon. And uh, it, it was about that time when the, the study of Psalms 83 uh, began to uh, be noticed by, uh, uh, by us, uh, by, by Christians. But looking at what these enemies of God are doing in these verses, they are conspiring and plotting against the Jews. They are forming an alliance against Israel. And the purpose of which is to destroy uh, Israel so completely that they no longer exist as a people or an entity of any form. Doesn't that sound an awful lot 
of like what is occurring in the Middle East today. As you look, look at the members of this coalition, we feel that maybe this 83, Psalms 83, could very well be a prophecy of the present uh, Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And as we identify who attacked that nation of Israel in recent past or even now, uh, those verses 6 through 8 uh, will give us a list of enemies uh, that uh, Israel uh, has faced recently. And as we read about these nations, to us, the modern ear, uh, these, these countries uh, probably is nothing but gibberish, uh, kind of like when I'm speaking Japanese to you uh, on, uh, from the pulpit. It's, it's a foreign language. Uh, it uh, is kind of like secret code or something, uh, because th- those mean these names here mean nothing to us, uh, uh, to us in the contemporary world today. But that is because the countries and cities and peoples these names refer to go by different names today. The psalmist uh, Asaph didn't know the 21st century equivalent of these names, so he called them by their ancient titles the names he was familiar with when he received this prophecy. So in order for us to understand who uh, Israel's enemies are in this passage, we must first convert their ancient names uh, to their more modern equivalents. And first of all, we come uh, to verse 6, and it talks about the tabernacles of of Edom. Uh, Who is this? Uh, The first enemy that is listed, uh, Edom. They are the nation... And, uh, and as you know, as you study your Bible, it, the people were descendants of, of Esau, uh, Jacob's brother. That's who, uh, uh, that's who Edom would represent. And Edom is located in what is today southern Jordan. And today, some of the ancient Edomite descendants are likely located in this same area. However, I believe that with migration over the centuries... It is also thought that many Edomite descendants can also be found amongst today's Palestinians. So when the Bible refers to Edom, it is referring to the geographical area of southern Jordan. But when it is talking about the people that once lived there, we assume a strong connection to the Palestinians today. This is not to say that all Palestinians are Edomites. They are actually an ethnic mix of several local uh, people, including Lebanese, Arabs, Persians, Assyrians, Egyptians, uh, and so on. But when looking for the remnant of the Edomite people, we will most likely find them among the Palestinians of the West Bank and Gaza Strip. And another interesting fact to note is that verse 6 usually Uh, in in that verse 6, uses the phrase tabernacles of Edom or tents of Edom. And and, uh, tents in the Bible biblically represent a population assembled in refuge and or military encampments. encampments. Uh, 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 Of course, a lot of them did travel and live in tents, but these definitions make sense when you connect the Edomites uh, with modern Palestinians. Palestinian refugee camps are often large tents, uh, encampments, and we'll probably see more of these on the news. But these will only increase as um, Israel has ordered innocent Palestinians uh, to leave Gaza. And these same tent encampments have a history uh, 
as you probably know, uh, producing uh, willing suicide bombers, terrorists, and jihadists. So they're, in a sense, Palestinian militias inside those tents. And so this phrase, the tents of Edom, implies that at the time of the fulfillment of Psalms 83 uh, and this prophecy, the Edomites will be refugees who have assembled themselves into, t- into tents, maybe uh, militia-type tents, exactly what we will see probably more of in the days to come. And one last thing about Edom. There's a, uh, there's, there is significance that among the ten enemies of Israel, this one is listed uh, first in the passage. Um, it, it clues us into the fact that the events of Psalms 83 and its coalition against Israel are centered around the tents of Edom or the Palestinian refugees and terrorism. This tells us that this prophecy concerns the Israel-Palestinian conflict occurring today in the Middle East. It also should be very concerning to us because of the threat some of these people could possibly be to us today. Uh, because of our, number one, open southern border, uh, where there are thousands of, as you know, gotaways. Uh, I don't think we should be so naive to think that this conflict only concerns Israel. Um, And as you know, because of 9-11, America has many enemies. There's many people who do not like us. And I guarantee you, they're crossing the border now. This message today does not only concern Israel. I think it's a prophecy of our times. And, uh, and they will not quit. They hate us, and they'll continue to hate us. Why? The same reason I gave earlier. Because we support Israel. And, uh, uh, and as we go on in this list of people, there's the Moabites in verse 6, and Ammon. Uh, they, these two are descendants of Lot. Uh, In Genesis chapter 19, Uh, they will be also a member uh, of this certain Arabian uh, clan that would be grouped uh, together. The land attributed to Moab is central Jordan, and the ancient territory of Ammon is northern Jordan. In fact, the capital of the country of Jordan today is still called Ammon, Ammon, actually, Amman, after this uh, uh, ancient ancestor. Then you have the Hagarites, or the Hagarines, in verse 6. Uh, that, uh, this is a group of pe- people which is uh, not often heard uh, in the Bible, but uh, they are descendants of uh, Sarah's Egyptian handmaid, Hagar. And while not much is known about these people, they are most generally associated with Uh, Hagar's land of of origin, which would be Egypt. And for the sake of our study, the Hagarites, therefore, would probably stand for uh, uh, Egyptians. And then in verse 7, we have uh, Gabal and Tyre. Uh, These two are grouped together. Now, why would that be? Because unlike the others, they are not titles of groups of people. Uh, Gabal and Tyre, they are the names of two cities both in the modern-day country of Lebanon. Gabal was located in northern Lebanon and is called Jebel uh, today. Uh, Tyre is a city in southern Lebanon, which is closely associated with the terrorist group Hezbollah. And then in verse 7, we have Amalek. 
Um, Amalek was a grandson of Esau. Uh, and uh, the Amalekites were his descendants. And though they were a nomadic people, uh, their main dwelling place was the, was the Negev Desert in present-day southern Israel. And then in verse 7, uh, seven we also have the Philistines, or Philistia. Philistia is the ancient homeland of the Philistines, as you know. And today, Philistia is what is known as the Gaza Strip. While there is no biological connection between the ancient uh, Philistines and today's Palestinians, they do occupy the same territory and even share a name since Palestine is the Latin word of Philistia. Today, the Gaza Strip is the headquarters for the Palestinian uh, terrorist group Hamas, another one of Israel's most violent enemies. And then in verse 8, we have uh, Ashur, uh, which would be Assyria, uh, the, the last enemy. Assyria was an ancient empire, as you know, reading the Old Testament, which actually proceeded the Babylonian Empire. And the ancient area of control is located in the modern country of Syria and northern Iraq. So if we were to read Psalms 83 with a list of its enemies by using their modern names, we would see that those who have in the past or who are today conspiring together in an effort to destroy the nation of Israel, they would be Lebanon, Syria, northern Iraq, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and the Palestinian refugees of the Gaza Strip and West Bank. Now, you may say, well, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt are neutral towards Israel today. And my response to that is, yes, you're right, the governments are. But I guarantee you, the people are not. Uh, the governments are. But I don't think the, the people would be so neutral. And you can see that this coalition of hatred is made up of predominantly Muslim countries, all of which surround and for the most part share a portion of their borders with Israel. And these are nations that have stood against Israel since she was reborn in 1948. Many of them have the goal of destroying Israel altogether. Uh, this is a, a highly dangerous situation for Israel to be in today. And the potential for true annihilation is very real. And that is what Asaph the psalmist saw uh, thousands of years ago and why he's crying out to God for help and for protection. I just heard on the news that they have 150,000 missiles in Lebanon ready, uh, ready to be fired at any time. And I can guarantee you where they're pointed. I would not be surprised that such an alliance of these people could soon be, uh, could be formed and put Israel at war with their neighbors. I think it is that close. But what this psalm doesn't tell us is what the outcome of this battle will be. You have to read the rest of the chapter. We would find out. But I don't think God can stand by and watch his people be annihilated by their enemies. That would mean the covenant he made with Abraham so many years ago over the land and his children would be broken and useless. So what will God do? Um, that's where we come to. Even though we know this battle will occur um, sometime, maybe soon uh, in the future, we really don't know where this fits in as far as the entire end time events. Um, but I believe that if we are in the final days uh, before the return of Christ, 
Uh, I believe that what we are seeing occur uh, to the nation of Israel today has already been predicted to occur by the prophets of the Bible. In other words, I believe we should be able to find some specific prophecy in the Bible that are happening right before our eyes. Such, and, and such a war, by the way, would be, if you think about it, would be one reason for the Antichrist to step in and set up his quote-unquote peaceful world kingdom. Now, since prophecy is centered around the Jewish people in the Bible, if we are to find out if God has said anything about the times that we are living in, we should look to see what is happening to the Jews. Today, we are witnessing Israel's struggle with Palestinian refugees, their militants, the terrorists, and their hatred toward the Jews as a people and a nation. This conflict is affecting the entire world, and the world's response is making matters a lot more difficult, as you could understand, for Israel by pressuring her to do things uh, to her detriment. Since Israel's national rebirth in 1948, we have watched how the surrounding Muslim nations have had conflicts, had, had conflicts with Israel to try and destroy it. And, and, of course, as you know, the War of Independence in, in uh, 48 and 49. Then there was the Six-Day War in 67 with, with Syria, Egypt, Jordan. Then there was the Yom Kippur War of 73 with Egypt and Syria. And recently, there was a Second Lebanese War in July of 2006. And this is about the time where we began studying about what was going on and possibly uh, uh, tying... Uh, the second Lebanese war to this Psalm 83. But while the world stumbles around in confusion, let me just say this, that God is not surprised by what is happening to his people. Because over 3,000 years ago, these events were foretold, I believe, in God's word. And anyone who cares to read and understand these prophecies uh, should marvel more and more the evidence of God's truth being fulfilled before our very eyes. I do not yet know what this war will be uh, titled uh, in years to come. Uh, I, I would imagine it would be close to maybe being titled the massacre by Hamas. I don't know. But I believe these Middle East wars could be a part of the ancient prophet's message. And throughout the ages, battle has been God's way to judge nearby regions for how they treated God's chosen people. Uh, that's why uh, uh, God tells us in the book of Psalms, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And, and they shall profit who will pray for the peace of, of Jerusalem. And most Bible scholars have read the prophetic pas passages concerning this event without full recognition of what is coming. Um, and among those who do realize that a battle is being described here, they usually place this occurrence in the final seven-year tribulation period uh, of history. And as you know, uh, as the pre pastor preached, uh, as you know, good people uh, have different views on when the rapture will take place. I believe the pre-trib, because there are more verses uh, supporting a mid-trib rapture uh, than there would be a mid-trib or post-trib, but, but good men have different differences on uh, prophet, prophecy in the Bible. Uh, it's not all spelled out uh, in black and white, but, um, 
But this battle, I think, that we're reading about in Psalms 83 is different from either of the two major battles that will happen in the end times, uh, the battle with Gog and Magog expressed in Ezekiel 38 and 39, and it surely couldn't refer to the battle of Armageddon, which is also an end time battle. Uh, so I believe this battle in Psalms 83 could precede uh, both of these and, uh, and uh, jockey for position on the nightly news. But uh, Prophet Asaph's vision of modern events uh, in this psalm uh, shows that at some point in Israel's national existence, they are going to be confronted with possible annihilation at the hands of a coalition of enemies bent on wiping them off the face of the earth. They are Israel's immediate neighbors. They all have fought battles against Israel in the past 60 years, and they have lost. They all are predominantly Muslim countries. The driving force behind this alliance of nations will more than likely be the Palestinian push for their own national identity in the land that God promised to Israel. That brings us to how this prophecy is going to play out and what will be the results. More studying of what God has revealed through the words of his prophet thousands of years ago, I believe, still need to be studied. But I can say that God will react and protect his flock against wolves. I think it is our best interest to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and for God's people. And lastly, I bring up Ezekiel's prophecy of, of the chapter 34 and verse 6, where God called Israel his sheep. If you don't mind, uh, open up your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel chapter um, 34. <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter 34 and, and verse 6. It says here, My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. In verse 6 here, God refers to Israel as what? My sheep and as my flock. Um, and uh, I believe that Israel still today would be considered God's God's flock. And I would believe that today still God would have the intention to protect his flock. Uh, and then in, in the same chapter in verse 10, um, buried in this verse is, are the words, I will deliver my flock. And I think we can see God will once again have his hand in help, helping Israel, whatever form that may take, I don't know. But in, in, in chapter 34 and then in verse 12, God buries in this verse his will concerning Israel, which is, I will seek out my sheep and will deliver them. Now, I'm going to close. But in closing, let me just say this. If we look at Jesus, he is referred to as the great shepherd. And I believe that his words in John chapter 10 and verse 9 uh, had Ezekiel 34 in mind when he spoke them. I believe it is a reflection of him as the true shepherd when he said, I am the door. In, in uh, John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus said, I am the door by me if any man enter in. He shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And if you read the, the chapter of 34 of Ezekiel, uh, I think that these words very much well uh, uh, um, match up with what Ezekiel was saying. And Jesus was saying, uh, I am the door by me. 
uh, if any man enter in. In other words, if any man will put his faith and trust in me, uh, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Uh, and then in, in the same uh, John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. If, if you know the New, New, New Testament, you know these words. But amazingly, these words that were spoken by Jesus as the good shepherd, uh, they they resound what was written in Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 23. If you look at that, in verse 23, it says, And I will set up one shepherd over them. Uh, and it says, And he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them and shall be their shepherd. Uh, who would that be referring to? And I will set, uh, I will, uh, I will set one shepherd over them. Well, um, I think God here refers to the new covenant of a promise that he gives uh, not only to Israel, but what God gives to all of us. Uh, that promise of one shepherd. Who is that one shepherd? It's Jesus Christ, whom Israel has not yet recognized as their, as their shepherd, but it's Jesus Christ. He's of the bloodline of David, which it, pro, which it prophesied in verse 23 of Ezekiel. And... Uh, uh, and uh, what started off as a promise of judgment in Ezekiel ends up with the promise of salvation. And that salvation comes through Jesus Christ. It referred to uh, uh, in, uh, in Ezekiel. So, Jesus. He is our shepherd. He's our peace. He is our Messiah. And today, those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ should be considered as God's flock too. Ezekiel 34, 25 says, And I will make with them a covenant of peace. Who's he referring to? I don't think he's talking about Israel here, but, but I believe everybody who puts their faith in that one shepherd, in Jesus Christ, they have a covenant of peace. Uh, uh, this covenant of peace, shalom, uh, with God today is ours. That covenant of peace that God promised way back in Ezekiel's day. This is a promise of peace through Christ. And when I say a covenant of peace, I'm not saying it's the absence of hostility or the absence of war. It speaks of peace at heart, of harmony with God himself. And only Jesus can offer this through saving faith. Sadly, a typical thinking of a Jew would probably be much like Barbara Walter, Walters, um, she passed away last year. At one time, she said she had no hope for heaven, and she admitted she saw no ultimate meaning in life. She saw uh, she was a Jew. She saw no meaning of life. Someone else has said, honest doubt is better than dishonest faith. Well, she had honest doubt which is better than dishonest faith. I don't know what your faith today is today. Uh, if it's not in Jesus Christ, it's not, it's not an honest faith. I'm sorry. Uh, only uh, the, faith, the, the only faith that can save us today from our sin, the only thing that can save us from hell, and the only thing that can save us from ourselves 
is Jesus Christ. I can't do it. My church can't do it. My pastor can't do it. Nobody can do it. Only Jesus Christ, the one shepherd. And interestingly, in Japanese, this word for peace, there's actually two words. One is heiwa. Heiwa means the absence of war. Uh, and the other one is heian. Heian is, um, is peace or rest. I'm sorry. <laughs> the other one is heian means rest. Uh, Jesus re- remembered the famous words of Jesus in Matthew 11:28. 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. What does it say? And I will give you what? Rest. In Japanese, that's yasuragi, which is the latter part of heian. Heian, that, that Chinese character for, for an right there, that means rest or peace. And the verb form is yasuragi. Jesus says, I will give you all those that labor and are heavy laden. Come unto me and I will give you what? Peace of mind, peace of heart, uh, and, and uh, uh, peace, of, uh, peace from your, uh, uh, your trials, tribulations, your pain. Uh, all of the above is included. It's a different kind of peace. Uh, that only comes through Jesus Christ, where we can have a a true peace with the God of Israel. And, um, you know, this peace uh, is really what Israel needs today. Yes, she needs peace from her enemies, but, you know, the real peace that she's seeking is from Christ. They haven't recognized it yet, but that's that's where their true peace comes from. Uh, Jehovah gives peace through his son, Jesus Christ. And, um, and that's what we all need today. Uh, why is it? Because he was the perfect Lamb of God who shed his blood on Calvary, on the cross, and laid down his life for what? The sheep. Jesus said in John 10, 7 and 8, he said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. I just read that, right? And all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Do you know where that comes from? That comes from Ezekiel chapter 34. Jesus was no doubt referring to the, of course, in his days, uh, of the Pharisees and of the Jewish leaders of, of his day that were just like those in Ezekiel's day when the spiritual leaders and the kings and the prophets cared nothing for the sheep. Uh, of the house of Israel. They cared nothing for the sheep. Their only concern were for themselves. Read the entire chapter of Ezekiel 34. You'll see that uh, that's what the prophet is speaking against, the spiritual leaders of their day who didn't care for the sheep. But Jesus cares for the sheep. He laid down his life for the flock. And uh, uh, 34.8 in Ezekiel speaks of that sad condition. There was no shepherd, neither did my shepherd search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. That's Ezekiel 34, uh, the latter part of, of uh, verse 8. And let me tell you today, I'm, I'm going to close, but let me tell you, today there's a God who loves you as his own flock. And he has sent his son, Jesus Christ, with salvation to be given to all who put their faith in him. He cares for you. He loves you just as we do at Fostoria Baptist Church. We care for your souls and for your well-being. We also do for Israel. To have God's everlasting peace, we must come to Jesus Christ. And so tonight, today, uh, we invite you to come to him. Let us bow our heads and have a word of prayer.